0: My name is Cappy, C-A-T-H-Y. My parents have never heard the sound of the birds, or the rustling of the trees, or the purr of their cat. They've never heard the dulcet tones of the Beatles.
1: It's one small step
2: for man.
0: Or heard those momentous words when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. And they've never heard my voice. Thanks to a momentary disruption in a hearing family tree, both of my parents, my mum Elizabeth and my dad Irvin, were born profoundly deaf without the ability to speak. They converse with the hearing world around them by reading the curls of lips and the movement of mouths to lip read and reading the expression of people's faces and their body language. In 1981, I was the first bundle of joy to enter into their lives. A coda a child of deaf adults. And it wasn't certain whether I'd be able to hear or not. And when they found out, they were thrilled to bits.
2: <laughs>
0: and so I was raised in a sleepy cul-de-sac in Banbridge Town in County Down. The oldest of four to two hearing sisters and a brother. My childhood memories revolve around Having ice cream. The hum of lawnmowers and making dens and huts. Shouting, one, two, three, I'm free. And playing courtesy into long, long summer evenings. And while the melody of my playground was just like the other children on my street, Inside my red brick house, it was different. So what I'm going to do is give you the key to the front door of my family home to tell you the story of what it was like to grow up as the eldest daughter to deaf parents. Now, while my mum and dad can't say words, they do make sounds that me and my family recognise. That's my mum having a good old laugh. And that's my dad pretending to be a tractor for my nephew Finlay. And this story, well, it's not just about me and my family, as for the first time in my life, I'm going to meet other children of deaf adults.
3: When you're, when you're young, you always think that your childhood's the best. No matter what, it was like, you know...
0: Just like Brendan Gallen, a, he's from know, outside you know, Derry.
3: But for whatever reason, when, when you grew up, you sort of think that childhood's great because it's made you who you are.
0: He's a child of the 80s, and he was raised as the eldest of four in the loudest house on his street.
3: <laughs> Our house was noisy. There's no one there to check it and say, keep it down or get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we were really ungrudly or anything yeah. like that because you knew what was right and what was wrong anyway but just noise-wise it was just full on.
0: Guess what the name of the programme is? What is it? The Loudest House on the Street.
3: Yeah, that was us. That still is us. I really feel for my neighbours. I don't know how, and they still do, I don't know how they ever put up with this because You had my mum and dad who are relatively noisy themselves, but then you had us (laughs) screaming and going nuts. And like, when you're put to bed, you're not in bed, you're running around and you're, you know, punching each other and you're screaming at each other and like, in the middle of the night. (laughs) And then I like my music, as do my brothers, and the music is just blaring non-stop all the time. And there's TVs on in each room. Because my mum doesn't go around and turn them off. She doesn't realise that there is so much noise. I actually find now when I go back it's a real shock. You know, if we're we're all back for Christmas, I actually have to take myself off because I'm not used to that level of noise now. I'm just like, what the hell? It's yeah, I'm just not used to it now. But yeah, it was definitely the noisiest house in the street without a doubt.
0: That's why I laughed through all of that conversation, because just like Brendan, the house that I grew up in was incredibly noisy.
4: People singing, the TV would be up loud.
0: This is my brother Rodney.
4: There was so much noise and I suppose it's because mum and dad couldn't keep control of the noise because they didn't know the noise was happening so much. Fire alarm blasting.
0: Smoke alarm always went off. This is my sister Judith. Especially on a Saturday morning with burnt toast. That would have went off a lot. And this is my sister Sarah. I do remember coming down the hill one day and you and Judith just... Flat out screaming at each other. A mummy who's pottering about in the kitchen. <laughs> and I was like, i was so scundered. That was the norm. But that beautiful chaos of noise that bellowed from the windows, well, that was just one thing to mark me and my family as different. And well, you're going to find out the rest, from the extra responsibilities we kids had to things getting lost in translation. But hey, I'll start from the beginning, as whenever I meet somebody for the first time and they find out that both of my parents are deaf, well, I'm always met with stunned silence. And you can tell that the person across from you is trying to keep their cool, but You can also see that their mind is ticking over with 101 questions. Do you know how to sign? Have your parents always been deaf? How did you learn to speak? So given that my mum and dad can't hear my voice, how did I learn to speak?
2: The Emperor's Nightingale.
0: Ever since I was a wee tote. My mum bought me these fairy tale books with cassettes to listen to.
2: Long ago
5: and far away, in enchanted lands across the sea,
0: and they whisk me off on a magic carpet to faraway lands with beautiful princesses and ferocious giants. giants
5: and gentle dwarfs.
0: Children's television, believe it or not, also helped me to say new words, as well as the school I went to, the kids I knocked about with, and the relatives that pop by. Cooey. But actually, English isn't my native tongue. As my first way to communicate with the world was sign language. And I sign using both hand gestures and finger spelling. In fact, I can sign the whole alphabet in this musical interlude. Done. And you don't just sign using your hands. You can use facial expressions and body gestures. Is this Queen Street Studios here? Yes. Oh, this is an amazing space. Amanda Coogan, she's an expert in all of this. She's a visual artist who has performed on stages across the world. She too was raised by deaf parents in Dublin. And I wanted to find out from her what it was like to discover music.
2: My parents were given, when I was born, they were given a radio and I would have known the radio all my life as something that was noisy, out of tune. You could barely hear what was going on and it was just noise. We'd come down for breakfast every morning, mum would turn the knob on the radio. This noise, dirty interference noise it's it's always occasionally you'd hear some voices on the condoms issue the star says really really horrible happened all the time because that's what they were told to do as when those tuning in radios but then i think i must have been 9 or 10 and a babysitter came in and literally just turned the knob and all of a sudden sound so came out oh Stars shining bright above you oh my goodness, this is the beginning of my teenage world. Bad
4: breezes seem to whisper, I love you
2: I remembered finding Ella Fitzgerald
4: In the tree. God, What?
2: Finding Mozart, finding Beethoven, going, Oh my God, amazing sound can sound like that. We kind of discovered these things ourselves. So you come at it kind of really fresh. We've no baggage. It's like
0: being struck by lightning, you know, because I actually got my first song played whenever I got a Weetabix tape. There was three <sighs> tapes you know that you could get and I put on a song and I was like oh my god I love this and I, I remember just really dancing energetically to it and like I think it must have been eight or something and I was like oh this is amazing but that was the first time discovery, it was, a discovery, yeah. Yeah. It
2: was a massive discovery isn't
0: it? Ever since that magical feeling I forged a strong friendship with songs And they formed the soundtrack to my life. From the mixtapes of favourite songs I recorded for friends. To the motivational running songs that have kept me going on New Year's Day. Touch you like this, to the slow song.
2: Kiss me like that.
0: With boys just learning to kiss. It was so long. Then it came to the weekend. That bouncy beat made me believe, with an unstoppable conviction, that I was the undisputed queen of the dance floor. Night, the air is high. You, but stop! Have you ever thought what all that arm waving and hip thrusting looks like to someone who can't hear? I asked my dad about his memories of music growing up because while he couldn't hear these melodies, he could see this musical world. In his family home, he remembers the record player and fixing his eyes on the turntable, guitar, watching as the stylist traced the groove of a long play record and feeling the vibrations from the speaker. Happy, happy. He impersonated his teen idol Tommy Steele with the guitar he got from Santa. Yes, a guitar. Bopping his head and shoulders, mimicking the actions of the rock and roll star.
5: One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock.
0: He nostalgically remembers how he dressed as a Teddy boy with a large quiff in his hair, a comb in his front pocket, and high-waisted drainpipe trousers. And at school, my parents did dance lessons every Tuesday night and they still remember the moves to this very day. But, my dad says, he doesn't miss what he's never had. And well, that gap was filled with a love of sport, of learning to drive, of travelling, of getting a trade and romance. And it wasn't until quite a few years later that my mum and dad officially met and started dating. As even though they went to the same school, their paths never crossed. However, they did take the same school bus home. And little did my mum know, but my dad did have his eye on her. Inconveniently for him though, she always had a boyfriend until, by a stroke of luck, things changed. How did Daddy take Mummy out one day? He just decided to go and visit Mummy. No, no. What happened was that Mummy was going out with a guy from Dublin and he didn't know how to get to Mummy's house. So he knocked on Daddy's door in Besbrook and asked him for a lift to Mummy's house. Shut up.
4: Yeah. No what an elaborate plan from oh, the guy okay. from Dublin. <laughs>
0: And then after Daddy left him at the house, he came up again on
2: his own. I mean, I thought they were a match, just a match for each other. <laughs> Did you,
0: yeah? Oh, well, I just thought, yeah. Someone whose name always comes up in conversation is Sadie Robinson. I thought, Elizabeth, you, you lucky so-and-so? My mum thinks very fondly of her and she was a social worker for the deaf.
2: I spent my whole life educating hearing people about the deaf.
0: <laughs> Isn't that funny? You're working with deaf people but you actually educated hearing people. My attitude was, it's not the deaf people with the problem, it's the hearing people. She goes way back with my folks, and she was there when my mum first had me. You
2: probably went to antenatal classes and everything with your mum.
0: Daddy told me he took a month off whenever uh, mummy was pregnant in the last month, so that he could look after mummy. I was like, who does that? (laughs) It's like I had to look after her because she was on her own in the house. He
2: he was always the, you know, he was always the wise one.
0: Nowadays, my dad's middle name should be DIY. He can do everything from carpentry to tiling. He's a football fanatic and he does marathons for fun. And within 20 minutes of me landing up at the house... I can see him out the window, washing my car. And my mum, well, she's forever cooking up new recipes. And she's such a good keeper of dates that like all good Irish mammies, she can tell you exactly how many years and months people have been dead for. Whether you want to know or not. It does sound idyllic, but there was a serious side to it all. We got a
5: Jurassic on account of the, uh, the age group. (laughs)
0: Declan Buckley, for instance, gets a lot of attention as Shirley Temple Bar. I went to meet him in his local haunt just off Dame Street, where Shirley makes the bingo magic happen.
5: Bingo is kind of her thing. So Shirley kind of became the presenter of the National Lottery Telebingo programme for a few years. And then in my own incarnation, I've been doing that now for about 10 years.
0: Declan is hearing, but he was raised by deaf parents in Dublin.
5: Sign language is in my blood. I've grown up with sign language since I was a baby. I could talk all day about what it's like to grow up having, you know, the different parents.
0: Like Declan's, even the way my parents walk into a room is different. As they can pick out every single tiny visual detail that I won't even have noticed. Because they're scanning the room to extract as much information as possible. Just like a security camera.
5: They're like CIA agents following, you know, the ones that go along with the President of America. They're, they're everywhere and they're kind of, well, what do they think is going to happen? But then you realise actually that, that they have to do that to take in the ambience of the room. The difference only became obvious to me when other people start pointing out that difference.
0: People taking a second look, nudging their friends, staring, pointing. And Amanda... She acted like a human shield, defending her parents from the words of others.
2: As a young child, I found it very difficult to shoulder if we were walking down the street or something like that and people would say, oh, look at the deaf and dumb family over there. I would feel that greatly. Of course, I'd never tell my parents. I was proud my parents were deaf. I was proud that I knew sign language. That wasn't an issue. But the being other... Being different, being other, I would have certainly swallowed that and not let them know
3: those kind of things.
0: And Brandon felt like he was under a magnifying glass.
3: You go into a restaurant or a cafe or anywhere and you did feel like people were, were always looking at you. Probably to this day, it it's sort of sat with me that you never want people to stare at you or to, to look at you. You know, even primary, secondary school, you would have been nervous about you know, people cr- coming around your house just in case you know, they reacted in, in a strange way because people did react to it in a strange way that they, they just didn't know what to do or, or, or how to react to it. But what could
0: it do? Let it get you down or just rise above it? Really, you don't have an option. And to this day, I've never let small things get to me. Stop. That was what I had written in the script. But actually, listening back to those interviews, it just really reminded me of the tough times when people were really hurtful towards my parents. The other one's For example, in this conversation with Sadie, where my mum was trying to do some volunteer work in a charity shop. That was was really heartbreaking. I know, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Charity shops are always wanting people to work for them. But no. They just took one look at her, they shook their head, and they were just like, sorry, no. And at the time I was a schoolgirl. Um if that happened again, I think I would be a bit more forthright.
2: Nobody deserves to be treated that way We just walked away Because I didn't want to make a big
3: deal
0: And not making a big deal That was part and parcel Of my childhood Nearly Growing up with deaf parents And that's true for a lot of children of deaf adults Just wanting to blend in Everybody has their own way of doing it When I was 11 The way I did it was gardening Believe it or not I would spend all my pocket money on daffodil bulbs and sweet pea seeds and a tree of all things from a summer church fete. I think in my own wee way, I was trying to make our garden look like everybody else's, just to blend into the neighbourhood. And it wasn't just the children of deaf adults who wanted to blend in. It was their mum and dad's too sometimes.
2: I remember being about six or seven and signing to my mum at the bus stop.
0: And Amanda found that even her mum was sensitive to using sign language
2: in public. We were going into town or something like that. And she said, the busman won't let us on the bus if he sees you signing. This is my memory of it. Yeah. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to sign, it was embarrassing too. We didn't want to be different or whatever it was. It was something certainly that you did at home only.
0: In years gone by, signing was looked down upon. So much so that in the classroom, deaf children were told to sit on their hands and try to imitate speech instead. Thankfully, that's all changed now. But what many people don't realise is that sign language It's a language in its own right.
5: Sign language is the indigenous language of the deaf people. For them, English is the second language, which is often why when a deaf person is communicating in English, they can seem to be less educated than they actually are, or they can seem to be less articulate than they actually are. When reality is, is that you try speaking in serbo Croatian or some language that you don't speak and see how articulate you come across, because that's essentially the same thing.
0: But even with the whole language side of things put aside... People often bark up the wrong tree, thinking that because there's something wrong with someone's hearing, there must be something wrong with something else. Sadie has seen this time and time again, even with my own parents.
2: And I think your mum and dad probably did feel that, you can call it what you like, discrimination is the word, but they felt that and they, they maybe didn't recognise it as discrimination, but it made them feel less.
4: Whenever we were in the shops or whatever I like got. People would always ask, can your mum drive all right? Oh, can she drive? Yeah, very good. Or, yeah, is your dad working? Your dad works? No way, does he? That sort of thing.
0: I remember a passing remark a shop owner said when I was doing messages with my mum. What? She's your mum? And that comment, it cut me to the core. Because in those minuscule words, she's your mum. He summarised how little he thought of my mum. It was clear that he didn't think she was all there, and he questioned how she could be a mum to me. He mistook her deafness for a lack of intelligence. Actually, she was probably more there than him. On the flip side of the coin, however, well, sometimes my parents innocently work out. More often than not my mum will get a discount on things and I'd like to think it's because she's a bit of a social butterfly but it may be down to the obvious and when I find out I think to myself why on earth did they do that and then I think right maybe I should take that moral high ground on this And that's until my dad appears with a wee smile, a wee wink and a wee nudge. And he goes, fantastic, your mum got a discount on those sausages. And I look over at my mum and she's just beaming from ear to ear. And I'm like, they make it work for them. Discounting these so-called perks. As children of deaf parents, we often had to act way beyond our years.
5: You know, telling the lady in the bank that no, my mum doesn't want to do that, she wants to do
2: this. Negotiating with the milkman over the bill on a Friday night that they can't pay.
0: Phoning the bank to find out if my dad's pay slip had went into his account. Explaining to the person
5: who knocked on the door that no, my parents didn't want to develop a closer relationship with Jesus Christ.
2: Or being told family things such and such as Dad tell your dad. And sitting in on the reading of wills of
0: relatives.
3: You did sort of feel like you had to sort of get Older before your time a wee bit, yeah. Because you had to, you know, step in and and help your mum and dad where you could, and then you realise I've got to now help my sister, my two brothers with their homework, and yeah, you became like the big brother slash um, mini
0: parent, mini parent, and not just a mini parent to your own siblings, but maybe a parent to your own parents.
2: So that protective node you have for your parents, you, you know, somebody you've not. Treating them right or thinking they can pull a fast one on them, we'd be super sensitive to that type of thing.
0: Other times I was my parents' radio, letting them know the ailments of relatives, explaining what country had invaded another in the news or who had swindled who in their favourite soap. Sometimes though, Even when a situation seemed as clear as night and day, my mum and dad would look to me to interpret. Especially when it came to their favourite TV show, Blind Date. More often than not, you would see a couple fighting like cat and dog after returning from a so-called romantic weekend... And after watching the holiday footage of them sitting uncomfortably on a roller coaster together, you'd see them on Silla's couch stating in no uncertain terms that they hated each other and they never wanted to see each other so long as they both shall live. And you could read it all in the subtitles on the TV screen. Yet every time it was over, both of my parents would look curiously over at me to ask, will they be seeing each other again? Uh, Mummy and Daddy didn't realise what they were saying. They were just more looking at their facial expressions and how they looked. They didn't actually take any notice of their conversation. (laughs) My sister Sarah's right. While it was funny to us kids, it
1: does illustrate how our parents read people differently. The danger that people have is that they fall into the trap of believing that the word in a spoken language equals the sign in a sign language.
0: Professor Lorraine Leeson is a specialist in deaf studies and she knows how easily confusion can happen between different languages.
1: And so much of it's about what's happening on the face, yeah, and in the movement of the torso as well as what's happening on the hands that we have to remember that they're not isolated out. My personal favourite is flirt. You know, so if I said to you, like, what does, what does the word flirt in English mean? You know, if you're a bit of a flirt or if you're gonna go out and have a bit of a flirt, it's all right, it's like nice, it's pleasant, it's passing the time, there's no commitment involved. But if you use, there's a sign in Irish sign language for flirt where you run your index finger of your dominant hand, your, say your right hand, along an open palm on your, your non-dominant hand, And there what you're basically saying is they've been with this person and this person, this person, this person and this person. They've been with many people. So
0: each finger represents a person.
1: It's not even saying, well, they've been with five people. It's saying they've been with many people. Unspecified numbering applies. Yeah. And so if you were to put the English word flirt on that, you're missing the connotations.
0: But in any multilingual family... There's a real richness in being able to use two languages. Hiya, how's it going? I went to see father of four, Michael Mulvena. And who's this little man? Declan. Exactly. Oh, he's absolutely gorgeous. He's a deaf man who's been teaching his kids to sign ever since they were babies.
4: We went to on to
0: to Michael got a cochlear implant a few years ago, but he still regards himself as deaf. And although Declan, who's seven months, can hear, his dad is teaching him how to sign. Declan's hand movements aren't developed enough yet, but he'll get there.
4: So I would say by one or later, he would like to go learn how to sign bottles, food, hungry, bed, bath, and that would be the same, I would keep first. Uh, Jacqueline, you're ready for bed now? Uh, Are you ready for bed? Yes? Uh, He's number four, we're used to it, but whenever he goes to bed, i be wearing a pager.
0: And does the pager vibrate? Yes. Yeah. The
4: pager vibrates. If the smoke alarm goes off, I'll show you a smoke alarm picture. If the baby goes crying, I show you the baby crying. The doorbell, or
0: the telephone. the telephone. Whenever I was growing up, we just had flashing lights for the doorbell and the telephone. The house lights, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: We used to have that, and we hate it. We hate it because the whole house lights flash. It shows people house.
0: Brendan, he worked those lights like Flash Gordon.
3: We had a system, so you press the doorbell and the lights would go, but the lights have to be switched off for that to happen, for them to see if anybody's at the door or if the phone goes. Yeah. So it's, it's the loudest house in this street, but it's probably the darkest house. If you couldn't get their attention, you would climb in a window. And it, was just, <laughs> it was just... I've never done that since being at home where you had a system of climbing in and windows that you knew would, would be open or you could, you know, jimmy them open a wee bit. So that was, that was a thing.
0: Another thing we had was a minicom machine. And it kind of looks like one of those old speak and spell toys. And what we did was plug the telephone handset into the top of it. And instead of talking to your friend down the telephone line, my mum would type... It was so weird. Declan Buckley had one of those in his hallway too.
5: Hilarious. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's kind of like Morse code for the deaf. But, you know, so my mum would be typing into this thing and then I'm not sure whether she's got her finger on the wrong button. No, no, no. she's swearing at me. (laughs) I remember when the fax was the big thing that came in and that was amazing because it was kind of liberating for deaf people because they could just take control of their own telecommunications. Whereas prior to that... I remember when I was living in the 1990s, I was living in Canada for a year or two and my mum would speak to me through this third person. You know, I would speak to a hello operator, can you tell my mother that, you know, I love her? And this, (laughs) your mother tells you, you know, she loves you too and it's all weird, but you know, I'm speaking through this medium.
0: But one thing these old devices didn't capture are signed names. If you meet a deaf person, one of the first things that's likely to happen is that you'll be christened a sign name. And it's a simple gesture that summarises you. For example, Michael, his young children Gemma and Cormac have the sign names Cream and Long. Cream?
4: It's because whenever Gemma is about one, she was mad about her mummy's hand cream.
0: Yeah. Why why is your sign name low? Because I always ask how long is the drive. How long is the drive? So that's a yeah.
4: journey. For example, we're gonna Port Ross, How long is the drive? I said comic. How long? How long? He's always said how long to drive. How long we're gonna be? Car number one. So we can work out the time. How quick we're gonna be back home to get on the Xbox again.
0: Is that the reason? Yeah. Is this what's going on in your mind? Yeah. We had sign names too in my home. Like my little sister Sarah, she was called Baby. And you sign that by cradling and rocking a baby from side to side. And she was called that until she was a teenager. Sign names,
4: yes I do remember sign names.
0: Here's my brother Rodney. He used,
4: uh, called Richard, he had sticky eyed teeth, so he was called teeth. Or fat people would point at their bellies.
0: And that's the thing, sometimes in sign language there is no hiding what someone is signing and for many in the deaf community that's known as deaf direct. It's when the niceties we so commonly use in English well, are thrown out the window. Deaf people are terrible for going God you look
2: awful, you're exhausted looking. And Amanda,
0: she's no stranger to
2: this. Oh my God, put on, weight, Or the next time they see you they go down a little bit, but you were really off of the land.
0: <laughs> I know you told me at the time. And then there's the things that you don't want to have to translate at all. Have you ever had an incident where mummy and daddy have been very direct and you've had to try to cover it up? Say, mummy said that somebody's put on weight. Do you remember any situations or anything like that? Of mummy and daddy? Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> all the time? So sometimes, translating can actually mean filtering. And I can think of no better example than when my dad met my sister's in-laws for the first time at a big family meal. Picture the scene. It's a very polite occasion where there was some signing, there was some non-signing, and the in-laws don't sign. Around the table, people are having quiet one-on-one conversations. And my dad decided to tell me about the history documentary that he watched the night before on the nights of the round table. And instead of quietly telling me a story about it, he decided to act out the scene in a full-blown performance. My dad drew out a sword... ..swirled it around... ..and then... A deep fear came across his eyes and he felt it blow to his stomach, giving him a slashing pain that he had never felt before in his entire life. He fell over in agony, taking his last ever breath in this mortal place. And then he sat up as though at the head of a feasting table, flamboyantly eating a leg of wild boar, topped off with a royal crown on his head. Of course, by now, everybody around the table was looking straight at my dad. And when the in-laws asked what he was talking about, I had to make something up like, Dad says, dinner is fit for a king. There's something almost theatrical in what he's saying. Like, if he wasn't signing it, he'd be acting it. And translating for my parents, it put me under a spotlight from a young age. And well, Declan, he's no stranger to lights, camera, action.
5: The sign language thing, compounded with my personality type, definitely made for... A more flamboyant me. Um, Underneath the sign language and all that, there was a little gay kid who was just dying to be a performer anyway. Um, But the sign language aspect of it, the, the visual side of communication, is definitely something that was given to me from sign language, for sure.
0: And for Amanda, her signing heritage definitely stamped its mark on her art.
2: It's a very straightforward step. Actually, it took me 20 years to get to it. But it's very straightforward that because I was brought up within the deaf community, with signers, with this visual, non-verbal, embodied language, that um, I became a performance artist.
0: For me, this performance side, it came out of music... While my singing career didn't quite lift off, it did lead to my next passion, radio. It's a four-piece alternative rock band from Cork and this really, really blew me away. This is the Shaker hymn with Trophy Child. And well, my parents can't hear what I do for a living, they're the ones who got me where I am today. And they're the ones who've given me a love and appreciation of sound, of radio, and music. <laughs> and in my home, my parents, like everyone I spoke to, are celebrated and revered for exactly who they are. In the loudest house on the street. <laughs> if my memories of Catelyn singing this: get up! And used to go into the lift room to watch TV, get up! <laughs>
1: Where is